Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the It's Not Orange podcast. Tonight we'll be looking back at a victory for the Seaside against Carlisle United as the Seaside has comfortably won 3-0 at Bloomfield Road on Saturday. But first we'll be previewing Saturday's clash against Cambridge United and to help us with that we have Jack. How you doing buddy? Hi there, good to see you. Yeah, nice to have you on, buddy. I'm looking forward to uh, speaking, Cambridge. It's been a while since we played you, so it's nice to have a little insight on on the football club as well. Helping me with the review and preview tonight is uh, Kurt. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, good. Good to be back. Um, good win on Saturday. I managed to dodge the bullet with the uh, um, corporate at Wrexham Forest Green because Forest Green's pitch was more like a, a paddling pool. So um had to go out and do some Christmassy things instead. So glad to be talking football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be nice to get back to reality and talk Blackpool some more. And Martin, it's been an absolute while, hasn't it, mate? So welcome back, buddy. Hey, Dan. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I think I've just about thawed out after Carlisle on Saturday. I think I had about 15 layers on. It was it was windy on the top of that stand. But yeah, yeah, good to be back. Yeah, we'll come on to to um, talk about the Carlisle game because they had a horrendous uh, camera angle on her Tangerine TV. But we'll come on to that a bit later on. But Jack, welcome to the It's an Orange podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you'd like, um, and, and, your, and your podcast, um, and then we'll get into things all Cambridge. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm one-fifth of Under the Abbey Stand podcast, uh, Cambridge United podcast. Been going for about five years. Um, pretty steady trajectory in our time, really. Um, we've had a promotion in there, uh, victory at an FA Cup team in the Premier League. It's all been pretty hunky-dory, really, since we started doing the podcast. Um, yeah, and harder in League One, obviously, but pretty positive uh, in our time. But uh, a new manager at the helm now, so that's uh, that's the first time, you know, for a long time we've had a change of manager. So that'll certainly be interesting. But yeah, uh, we try and uh, we try and do uh, as much recording as possible, two episodes a week. And yeah, we're uh, we talk some sense sometimes. Yeah, well, it's always good to you know talk about your football club and just set the world to rights and then get different opinions on things so yeah really nice to hear about your podcast and obviously um, it's nice to be playing you this season but um, first and foremost we'll come on to your managers uh, or manager should I say in a second but talk to us about Cambridge season so far because despite what it looks like on paper you've had a fairly decent res- a few fairly decent results and just it's just I would assume it's just hard picking up that consistency in, in the league so far. Yeah, it very much mirrors um, last season, really. We started really well um, in League One this season with a couple of victories um, in the first two games and, you know, still looking pretty good. Uh, we were doing quite well clean sheets as well, is what we avoided last year and looked pretty free scoring. And uh, it just kind of hit a bit of a rut kind of at uh, the end of September and into October and went on an absolutely shocking run, you know, 13 games, only one win. We lost... Uh, fairly spectacularly 5-0 to uh, local rivals Peterborough. There was a 4-0 loss to Barnsley in there. We were really struggling for goals and and that, that was kind of becoming more and more evident. We picked up a lone win against Carlisle, which seems now like um, a lot of people are doing and, and that was really important for us in that time. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been, you know, it's been quite attritional watching Cambridge United of late and, um, yeah, really uh, soured by that uh, that. 5-0 loss to Peterborough, but we have uh, pro- progressed in the FA Cup and uh, have a third round trip to Blackburn to look forward to for that. So um, there's still positives and then a new manager, Neil Harris, who obviously has good football league pedigree um, and we brought him in, um, hopefully with a, look, a view to bringing in uh, a bit more experienced personnel 
uh, in January. You know, I feel we're a bit short in certain areas and, you know, obviously quite quite clear to see we, we're a bit goal shy at times. So, yeah, um, certainly interesting to see who we bring in in January and what, what impression he has. Yeah, what are your sort of hopes for the season? Talking about expectations quite early on, but do you feel like with Neil Harris, who obviously is quite an experienced EFL manager, obviously recently sacked from... Chillingham um, or, or left left of his own accord whichever way you look at it it was going to a surprise to quite a few Chillingham fans straight back into management and I, I personally think he's a very decent manager but you know do you have hopes of staying up under under him? Yeah I think that has to be the aim uh, it had to be the aim at the start of the season you know much like the seasons before we were pinned to the bottom in a lot of people's predictions um, and yeah it just kind of has to be survival as the aim I mean we, we had survival confirmed in our first season back in League One relatively early from a team you know of our size uh, comparatively in the league so I think it would be really nice to be safe again, you know, and be able to look forward and, you know, to blood a few young players at the end of the season or, you know, experiment or give, you know, a few more experienced players who maybe haven't played much, you know, a bit more of a run out. But we didn't have that luxury last season. It went right down to the wire. We we won our last game of the season and then were, um, were kept up by results elsewhere. So I think uh, a last day of the season, uh, again, would uh, would would kill a few fans off, I think. So it'd be really nice just to be safe, uh, you know, come April and uh, not have to worry about that again. I remember what, with three games to go, it almost looked like you and a few others were done for. And then I think it got a couple of decent wins, wasn't it? And then, like you say, results elsewhere kept you up, which, you know, is fantastic for the football club and the area as well. But um, just give us a couple of minutes on what Mark Bonner did for the football club. For me, he was one of the most outstanding managers in the EFL for a couple of years. He got you playing some extraordinary football. Um, you had obviously some very decent players, one that played for Blackpool, who are the, the two below me who, who know very much about in, in, in Wes Houlihan. Um, some really successful times at Cambridge recently, and he was at, um, you know, at the centre point of that. Yeah, I mean, I could just, you could wax lyrical about Mark Bonner for hours, really. I mean, he was just a fantastic kind of leader for our club for so long. I mean, never had a job in management before, came up, had, had worked with the youth system at United and, and being a, a boyhood fan. I mean, you know, it sounds like something that somebody would uh, would would write in a kind of book or for a film script, really. It's just fantastic. And he came all the way through, caretaker manager for a bit, and then I had to wait so long for his, um, for his managerial debut because of COVID. So there was a whole kind of story behind that. And then he just really thrived. He brought us out of League Two when no one no one was expecting us to get out of League Two at that point. And like you say, he had good players like Houlihan, but he got the best out of some players that you would you would never have heard of before. And maybe you might, might have even heard of since. So uh, just an incredible manager. Great plaudits last season for, for keeping us up, you know, by the skin of our teeth. But I think there was a little bit of... Um, wariness from from the board and, and the people who make those decisions about how similarly this season was going to last and I think you need to learn from those mistakes I think a lot of people talked about kind of money in the bank for Mark Bonner and you know he deserved a few chances but I think maybe last season that benefit of the doubt kind of thing was given and maybe there was you know a little lack of kind of um you know, change of strategy, strategy or ideas. So I think the time probably was right, as hard as it is to say. I mean, he'll be remembered incredibly by all United fans, I think, and still hopefully welcomed at the club. So I think it was the timing was right, and I think with the transfer window, it's pretty shrewd from the board and, uh, and everybody else. But yeah, sad to see him go, but maybe not the end for him at United. Uh, you know, you never know. 
Yeah, obviously, I think, like you say, be remembered for all the right reasons because those few bad results and familiarities with last season and maybe struggling again won't ruin what he built previous to that, I'm sure. Um, Obviously, September through to October for you was very poor, just to say the least, really, and that's probably what caused, obviously, um, the the shift in change, of course, um, by the board, and maybe rightly so, because... Since then, you've become a bit more of a difficult team to break down. Obviously, soured a little bit by Peterborough and, and Northampton losses, um, then got a few positive results and obviously epitomised by Saturday's comeback of being 2-0 down. And obviously, you did what Blackpool did in reverse. Um, we were 2-0 up at Charlton and you know conceded two goals in a few minutes. And Charlton fans on, on, on X, I saw, how can you lose a two-goal lead in five minutes? Well, you'll have the answer to that because... Resilience um, it obviously bled through the squad at that point because away from home against free-scoring Charlton at the Valley um, is a very decent result considering probably some of your fans were on the way home. I'm not saying they were, but, you know, just a figure of speech. Um, a really, really decent draw um, and obviously set you up really well for a home tie against Blackpool on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, it's really encouraging to see a, a, a result like that, a ground like that, because, you know, it's a long way to go and the, let, let's not mess about it. Cambridge United are one of the smaller teams in the league and Charlton Athletic are one of the bigger ones and it's a big stadium to go to. And it's, yeah, it's really it's really good to see a bit of bottle that United maybe haven't had. When when we've gone behind in games, we've been pretty, uh, pretty woeful at getting back into them and we haven't scored two goals, you know, in a game for quite a while in the league. So it was just quite you know, encouraging to see that. And I mean, we had a 4-0 victory against Fleetwood in the FA Cup the weekend before. And that was, uh, you know, when we were managerless and under Barry Corr and then Charlton being kind of Neil Harris's first game, if you will. I mean, it's a great start and it's, you know, uh, you know, it's a last minute penalty that was uh, marginally maybe outside of the box if you were, if you watch it back again. But uh, yeah, we'll take those for the season and yeah, well dispatched um, by Gasson Ahadme. So yeah, really encouraging result. And it's kind of one of those that we need to use to push on because, you know, it, it won't mean much if we go on to lose the next few games. And December for us is a tough one, but we haven't got many miles to travel, which I think could be really big in the kind of grander scheme of things. So I think if we can kind of try and grind out some results at this time, and kind of steady the ship and, you know, get a bit of momentum under Neil Harris, then we might be, you know, we might be looking forward, not back. Yeah, just want to talk about finally before I introduce Kurt, he's got a question on some players. Um, what has Neil Harris instilled since being with the club? Because obviously you've gone from a very well-known manager for three, three and a half years or so, three years um, under, under, under Mark Bonner. Obviously, a change in managers is sometimes hard to get used to in terms of a football club and fans. But for me, like Neil Harris is someone quite likeable and he kind of has his own style and he implements it quite quickly. Has he done that with you? And can we expect to see a more Neil Harris side or do you still have sort of remains of what Bark Bonner was trying to do with the football club or was doing, should I say? Yeah, I think it'll be a bit of a kind of amalgamation of the two. I think he'll, you know, keep some of what Bonner's instilled, but bring his own kind of identity to it. I mean, it's very early days, but he's speaking very positively. And, you know, I don't think he's there for a payday. I don't think anybody really would come to Cambridge United for a payday. I think Neil Harris is there to try and, you know, get the club out. He's kind of got vague connections to the city. He played, you know, played here back in the day, back in his playing career, all, all the way back at the start. And yeah, I think he really kind of believes in the ethos of the club. You know, we're in quite a good position financially for the first time in a number of years we just opened a new training ground we're going to redevelop the ground and I think Neil Harris probably believes in that vision and thinks that he can kind of help 
you know, consolidate Cambridge United as a League One team for now. And then, you know, who knows where we can look forward to. But yeah, needs to be uh, game by game at the moment until we get into the swing of things under Neil Harris. And he's, he's taken a big risk, I think, coming here. Um, but I believe that he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's got the ammunition that he needs to, to make it succeed. Jack, I was just looking for your um, your squad and some of your starting lineups for the last few games, and it seems like it's very centred around you know Morrison, Bennett, Danny Andrew. Looks like quite the core of the team. Is that sort of where you've managed to bring some of the results back by having a solid defence, you know, experienced defence, or or how how are you shaping up? It's in, it's interesting to ask because there's been a lot of questions. There always is when you're losing games like we've been losing games about the defence, and you know Morrison and and um, Ryan Bennett are both in the winters of their careers, you know, aging really incredibly ex- experienced centre backs, but they are maybe showing a little bit of a lack of pace. And we've been criticised actually for, for sitting a little bit too deep. Um, there's that because of that, you know, allowing for that lack of pace and it's been inviting teams to kind of, you know, pile pressure on us. So I think there's questions over the defence and Danny Andrews come in um, and has been a bit of a mainstay at left back, more because of lack of personnel to cover him, I think. And there are questions over Andrew. He started well um, and uh, he loves uh, putting himself over free kicks, um, which go well, uh, well, have gone well once actually. Um, But yeah, I I wouldn't say they're necessarily the core of the team. Whilst they're kind of starting week in, week out, we 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 need to kind of own the game in the middle of the park. And I think we've got, you know, Digby, May, Cousins, George Thomas, all of who are kind of vying for places in there. And we're, we're experimenting with different kind of, um, you know, formations, but kind of different personnel in there. We've had Digby playing further forward when he's been a kind of CDM the whole time there. And then further forward, you know, the three behind the striker are kind of key. And we haven't found the right combination of Brophy, Kachunga, Kai Kai, Lancaster, occasionally Gordon, who really hasn't played. Um, so, yeah, we're still looking for the right combos in those positions. It's quite late in the season to be doing that. But I think under a new manager, Neil Harris has got a bit of uh, creative license now to maybe whilst it won't be completely experimenting blind, he might just, you know, try a few different players in different positions and we're getting to that point where injuries might start to be kind of govern who plays where. So I'd say that middle of the park is really key for United joining the defence and the attack. I think we've been, I think we've looked disjointed at times and that's because there's been kind of no one carrying the ball between the defence and the attack and we, we, we fall guilty of lumping up top and then just inviting the ball to come straight back onto us. So I think, yeah, looking at those kind of those two holding players will be the the key for United. Yeah, I think that's surmised by the, I think your average possession this year is something like 46 and your average goals conceded per game is like 1.4 your top assister is Brophy on two it kind of screams like you say you haven't got control of any games and you haven't got much creativity etc so stats kind of don't lie in, in that remit I know sometimes they can they can be a bit fake but it's just been one of those average seasons hasn't it and like you say it's time to find some identity and structure in the club as well so um, I appreciate you've only got a few more minutes with us um, Jack but just talk to us about um, your, your key players this season so far because the man um, you mentioned previously Gassan um, I, I'm a big fan of him I actually really like his style of play I think is he will be a decent you know player this season so far and he has shone in somewhat a struggling side obviously you've got players like Sully who used to play for Blackpool as well obviously went on to Wickham from us and has he has he is he shone this season or you know talk to us about those those key players um, that we're expecting to play well against Blackpool on Saturday 
It's an interesting one. We've had kind of a season of ups and downs, and you know, different players shining at different times. I'd say you'd be strong. You'd be hard challenged to find uh, a kind of consistently picked player of the season so far. You know, people have been doing it in fits and starts, and I think that lack of consistency is the reason why we're 18th through the table. But like I say, Gasna Hadme is it could be just absolutely crucial for us staying up. You know, two goals. The two goals to. Drag us back into the game against Chow, and he did score against Fleetwood in the cup as well, after also missing quite an embarrassing penalty. But again, you know, late on at Northampton, so he really does pop up with goals. He was looking, I was hoping he was going to kind of hit the ground running at the start of the season. He had, he got two early goals and, and then it kind of faltered for a bit. So I think he could be really important as a focal, focal point. Sully Kai Kai has been brilliant in flashes. He's had a, you know, a couple of injuries, and we, we've got like, we're almost overblessed in that. In, in that position, but without knowing really who needs to go there. But yeah, Kai Kai, when he's come in, has certainly looked, you know, he's shown that, you know, that experience, much like Elias Kachunga, really, you know, Kachunga um, with Premier League experience, of course, in the last five years. But yeah, he's come in and they've all kind of done it in fits and starts. You know, Saiku Jana started the season really well and then had an injury that's kept him out. Jack Lancaster has never quite found his form in a Cambridge United shirt. So, you know, I, I'm basically going through and naming the whole squad and saying they've had fits and starts of playing well. Um, but no, I think we, we're at that point now, yeah, where someone can stake a claim to be our kind of mainstay. I was hoping it was going to be Fajiri Okunabire, uh, but again, another player who in his career has had injuries and, and, and might be, you know, looking at another uh, injury layoff as well now. So we, um, yeah, we need to kind of be careful with that and use January as a kind of springboard to bring in a few more people, much like we did last season. That's when we brought Morrison, Ryan Bennett in and Conor McGrandles, who's We've got back at Charlton now, but all who uh, really turned our season around. So it, it's, it would seem a shame if we couldn't get a few more points in December, but we don't want to be looking at turning our season around already. But yeah, we do need to kind of put things in place to, uh, yeah, to steady the ship. Yeah, I think when you said Sally Kaikai is amazing in fits and starts, I think that a bit like it, that was his time at Blackpool. I think he had a purple patch of form where we, you know, he was literally the, the league's best player. But then when he couldn't be bothered, he was one of the most frustrating players to watch in Tangerine. So I think League One is fair to say is his level. Um, if he was consistent when he was unplayable, then he'd be playing higher. But I think that's the reason he's in League One. And like you say, Conor McGrandles is one of those players that Blackpool wanted a, when they were in the championship and he went off to Charlton mm-hmm. and he surprised a few players by not setting the world alight as well. So, yeah, you've got some decent talent in your squad, but like you said, it's just it's just taking that claim and being consistent. So, just got two more questions. I appreciate your time. Um, the first one is, where can you hurt Blackpool this season? When have you looked your best? And when, you know, everything's on, on song, where have you looked your best and how have you sort of played in, in those moments? We need to start well. It, we, we, you know, starting well in games is where we can get it by the scruff of the neck and govern how we run it. And I think we need to, you know, we need to have that um, uh, high enough line so we don't invite too much pressure, but then not overdo it so that we get caught, you know, on the counter. I think we're dangerous from out wide. I know Brophy's only got two, showing has got two assists, but we have been quite dangerous from out wide. And if you think about the height of Gasan in the middle, you know, we've got some quite fast attackers who can get out wide, whip it in. Liam Bennett and Danny Andrew, you know, can have good distribution too. So our fullbacks can be whipping it in there too. So I'd say that's where we're looking, um, you know, quite dangerous. And then any one of those kind of midfielders coming in as well, cleaning up there. We've seen Digby with a goal. We've seen Kachunga with kind of similar goals, cleaning up when balls have come from out wide. And it's 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 
it's dropped to them. So yeah, I think that's where we could be uh, could be quite dangerous. And I, I think Neil Harris quite suits that style of football. So he'll kind of you know encourage the wide players to have a go. I think that they do need a bit of kind of man management. These players, I think some of them have maybe lost their way slightly, and that's no detriment to Mark Bonner. Potent really, I think it's just um, players at that stage in their careers where they need a bit of guidance. And you know, this is what. Why we bring a manager like Neil Harris in? He needs to kind of call the shots and tell people where they need to be and what they need to do, and and get us out of you know what is a dip rather than a complete hole. But it's not far off turning into complete hole if we can't you know start getting some league wins on the board and stuff. So I think a really dangerous time, but also quite a positive time for United, and that could be where we find our joy. I think on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. Um, when things haven't been going well, um, and obviously you've conceded a few goals in a few games this season, where do you think Blackpool can hurt you um, away from home this this weekend? Yeah, I'm just going to do some absolutely rubbish punditry here, but we're really uh, we're really badly exposed from out wide. Um, you know, our fullbacks, I feel like, can be a bit vulnerable, not just because of attacking. I think Liam Bennett is a really good young raw talent, and he's in, he's done fantastic things as a young youth product to the club. He can he's small, he's very small, um, and bigger players do target him, and he can get kind of bullied out of games. So I think that's that's somewhere where we might be you we might you, you might see a struggle, and I think if we go missing in the middle, which can happen when you know the middle are feeling too stretched between uh, the defensive and attacking lines then you know we can get overrun in the middle and and if clubs get a two goal lead they they often look quite comfortable and I think our resistance has kind of dropped but the encouraging thing about Charlton is that you know we seem to have kept a bit of that bottle that obviously did exist so I think yeah I'd imagine uh, that both teams to score on um on Saturday would be a good bet if I was a betting man. I think uh, United will fancy it and come out of the blocks, but I think we'll be there for the taking as far as at least scoring a goal is concerned. Fair enough. Uh, just to end the podcast, do you have any, oh, end this section, do you have any questions for the for us? Yeah, give us, uh, if, if, if as a as a home fan, who's a player that we should watch out for who's going to play for Blackpool on uh, on Saturday? Right, I'll do you a benefit of having both my uh, my co-hosts uh, give you an answer, and I'll start with Kurt. Kurt, mate, you you give a player, then I'll let Martin go. I feel like I want to say him, but I don't want to say him. Uh, Dembele. Um, the, the, we've got the young global football manager superstar um, <laughs> on loan from from FC Brest, um, and he is he he looks like an under 14s player, um, but he plays like he should be playing top end of the championship to be honest mm. he may never be big enough to play in the Premier League because players will, will just bully him too much but he's he's really good he sits in the pocket behind um, our two strikers and he just he just got a burst of pace that players just can't expect at this level um, he's still getting his fitness up you know he's still lasting sort of 70-75 minutes um, so yeah he's he's really special talent um, really good to watch yeah, he's the creative spark that we missed and so longed for both last season and this season in the first sort of five, ten games. So he's certainly been a, a, a focal point for, for Blackpool. And Martin, who is your choice? It, it's hard to look past Jordan Rhodes, Jack, because obviously everybody everybody up and down the country knows how good he's been over his career and he, he's got a new lease of life at Blackpool. He's We've mentioned it before. He's he's running around like a like a guy ten years younger than he actually is, um, chasing things, pressing, closing things down, and just um, uh, bagging every time. You know, we play nearly and um, thirteen goals already. And also, I would give a quick mention to CJ Hamilton um, it, it, after a shaky start. It, it just signed a new contract, but um, lightning pace, 
when he's on it, absolutely superb. So if your fullbacks are a bit weak, they need to be afraid of CJ. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I would say Jordan, Jordan Rhodes because he's lethal. <laughs> oh dear. And because uh, you were weak in the middle, uh, my player um, in the last five or six games is Sir Kenny Dougal, um, a legend for Blackpool after scoring two in the playoff final to get promoted during the COVID season. He's He's been a man possessed in the middle recently, so really mopping up dictate and play etc so interesting to see how Neil Harris sets up against Blackpool's mm. midfield and I don't mean this because you've told us you're weak there but it's really interesting away from home because times um the Abbey Stadium this season I think you're on Sky when you won one nil was it was it one nil I think it was Gasson who scored wasn't it the header yeah um you look really good you look really solid at points so I know Cambridge you've got it in them so I mean I don't think Richie will take you for granted any mm. for any stretch of imagination but it would be interesting to see how you set up because a lot of Blackpool fans will be expecting to turn up and win th- three points. But, you know, Neil Harris will be up for this after after that that result against Charlton as well, that's for sure. So we've, we've certainly got to be on our A game if we're going to want to build on our last result as well. But any more questions, mate? Uh, no, I just hope you don't beat us. I hope, I hope you have an off day. <laughs> Uh, it's Blackpool, mate. We can win 6-0 or lose 2-0. Like, we don't know what Blackpool's going to turn up and that's been our, our downfall this season, finding consistency. Although we sit 8th, we could have been 1st, but we could have also been 15th. So um, you, you'll see. You'll see what Blackpool turns up. We're quite bipolar this season. It's been one of the hardest seasons to kind of gauge where we're going to play this. So um, it's certainly going to be an interesting game, that's for sure. And um, I hope it's a good one and um, hopefully get your thoughts on the game as well afterwards. But if you, if you need to go, mate, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. So thanks for giving up your evening for us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, you Cheers, too. Jack. Gentlemen, uh, time to talk about Saturday. And it's a, a positive one, Martin. One would think you're on because we won a game. Um but let's let's talk about um let's talk about the lineup first and foremost. Let's get straight into it as we always do. There was a couple of changes. Um so we will go with of course Grimshaw on a back three of husband Connolly coming into the fray. Um Pennington as of um ever present. Um Lyons, Dougal, Kerry, Dembele and Hamilton, and then Beasley and Rhodes um maintaining their place. Um of course, I think it'd be unfair. Um, Kurt, as we probably previously said, to to drop Beasley, and um, I think all in all, that you know the the midfield and the the strikers was the right choice. But it was an, a, a a player there that started that you said would be a good feature for an FA Cup game because you don't think Richie will ever start him, and he ends up starting. So talk to us about what you thought of the starting lineup of Connolly and Lyons coming in. Yeah, fed up of making predictions on here and then Critchley doing the complete... It's Critchley, we can never get it right. <laughs> fed up of it. I'm not going to predict anything going forward. No, I, I'm glad to see Lyons start. Um, I, I thought Connolly uh, in the middle of the defence was was interesting. I think if you're going to drop Marv's or Marv isn't available, then Casey is the obvious natural replacement. But actually, um, I quite liked it. And although you know Carlisle didn't post too much of a threat. I thought Conley had a really good solid uh, performance as he as he does a lot of the time. He just isn't a left wing back and we probably said that about a thousand times on this podcast. Um, but yeah, like like the team, um, glad we kept Beasley and um, I'm sure Martin will be able to give us a bit more in depth on the conditions, but I don't think it was a, it was a, a pleasant day. Yeah, Martin, just your thoughts on the lineup because we'll come on to the game, which was from from where I was sitting in my warm living room, a difficult watch due to the conditions. Um, I don't know what it was like in the stands, of course, but talk to us about what you thought of the lineup. I thought, like I said, I reiterate, I thought 
it would be harsh on Beasley to drop him, um, despite that Northampton game, which we spoke about previously, where most of the players, all of them were quite poor. So the, the back came most of the changes. So were you happy to see Lyons and Conley come in? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, if I was to, to pick a, a you know a team every single week, Andy Lyons would be in it. And I think it's unfortunate with what's gone on off the field that he's, his mind's been elsewhere. And we, we know that. And we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. Um, so, so I was glad to see him start. Uh, a bit surprised, but glad, really glad, because it, it could have been Owen Dale quite easily. He's, you know, he's um, settled into that role very well. But I'm just, I just want to see Andy Lyons play. That I think it's, he is a perfect wing back for me. We said it in pre season, so I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And Connolly as well. I mean, he doesn't really let anybody down. He's not a left wing back, but he played, he played in the position he's familiar with. And also, I have to say that as it panned out, as Kurtz alluded to, the standard of the opposition was such that I think. He could have played any of our first team players and had supreme confidence that they would have handled it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, how bad were the conditions being in the stadium? They were awful. I mean, you know, it's a bit of a throwback to the old days. I mean, in, in the old days when they had the old stand that or the old ground, that would have been called off that game, I think. Um, with the, with the south stand, the the scratching sheds, everyone used to worry about the roof blowing off when I was a kid. Um, so it was awful from the top of the stand. It didn't. It, you couldn't actually tell how bad it was. And I, I went down at half time, um, and then it was it was just blowing a gale. It was it was horrendous. Um, and I just think it was it, we just handled the conditions very very well. Um, they didn't, uh, but it was it was awful. It was cold. It was windy. It was um, it was typical Blackpool December weather when it's like that. It, it was it was it was tough. It was tough tough uh, to to play a game of football in that kind of weather. Yeah, and we'll come on to the first goal, um, which came after like 22 minutes. But like you say, the conditions as an overall were just, it was hard for the game to settle, wasn't it? The ball kept moving on the corner flag. Um, when the free had a free kick, the ball kept moving. And in the first half, like you say, we did keep the ball really well. We had 65% possessions. We had six shots. And of course, one on target, which was Andy Lyons' goal. A couple of chances where Pennington had a shot and I think Rhodes hit, skewed his header to the right and no one could get on the end of that as well. But a very decent first half considering those the, the weather, Martin. And I think if the weather was quite nice and the wind wasn't so bad, we could have been three or four new up in that first half just from the way we were you know, keeping the ball in those conditions. I think we would have had a bit more freedom about us. But the goal came from some well-worked football. Um, at the left-hand side of the pitch, ball came over to the right, across which... A keeper of what six foot eight, six foot nine in 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 holy made an unholy error and gift wrapped Blackpool. Um, Andy Lyons's first shot, which he looped over him, despite him being one of the tallest goalies in the league, he was nowhere to be seen. And it was a very smart finish and one you could argue that anyone playing else in that position wouldn't have done. Um, no, there's so many holy jokes you could get in there. <laughs> but we're a fam- we're a family show. Can't say the one that likes it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was an awful mistake, wasn't it? I've I've got some Carlisle uh, fans uh, as friends as I mentioned, ones I used to go to uni with, and they've 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 said to me that he he's either brilliant or awful, um, and it was a terrible mistake, wasn't it? And it was a really smart finish. It really was a smart finish, but there was just um, I don't know a defence in disarray. I mean, I mean, as in a wider context of Carlisle, I do think they were the worst side that we've played all season on the day. I think they were truly dreadful. They look like a team that are waiting for January because half of those know they're going to be replaced with the new owners coming in. They will probably recruit. And they just look like a team that were not together for me. Um, there was, seemed to be a bit of a disconnect all, all across 
uh, the ranks at Carlisle with the fans, the manager, with his comments afterwards, which I'm sure we'll, we might give a mention to, to Simo. Uh, felt very sorry for him on Saturday, sold short by by some really poor displays. But but it was just a symbolic, I think, that goal of how badly organised they were. And they, and you're right, in a car on a calmer day, I think we could have been three or four nil up at half time, simply because they were bang average, and that's been very polite to bang average. Yeah, Kurt, it was a smart finish, wasn't it? But like you say, it was more gift wrapped, and it. But I was a big but. Um, despite it being sort of an easy goal technically to to score in terms of the ball football in its feet, you could have done a few things, couldn't you? You could have tried a drill shot, you could have done something else. But it was a moment of, you say, magic from Andy Lyons, who who you know hasn't played much football in the first team and you know has had much, much goings on this season but I think that would have done in the world of good and fingers crossed he can stake his name in the in the team because I think he thinks a level above a lot of players in those positions and is much more natural in that position than others that play there this season no disrespect to others but when you've got someone as naturally as good as him in my opinion and we've said it many times before it's it's someone that we can rely on to start there in the future yeah he, he was on his weaker foot as well was it not on his left foot? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, on his weaker foot. I just think he's a really good player. He's intelligent. Um, I wonder if, you know, if he was a few leagues below, he'd probably be able to play at front for some teams because he seems to be able to, you know, find spaces in the box and be in the right place at the right time. And that that is something that we've kind of missed a bit, I guess, with with um, goal scoring this season. It's At times it's felt like if Jordan Rhodes doesn't score, maybe we, we might not score. Obviously, Beasley's chipped in more recently. Um, and actually... We've not had too many goals from corners from memory. I couldn't tell you how many goals Pennington, Marv, Casey, husband have scored, but probably less than one or one between them all, all of them. So what, what we need is people chipping in with, with goals this season from, from different areas than just Jordan Rhodes. Um, I've always wanted to see see Gabriel and Lyons on either side of the, the flanks, but not in a 5-3-2, because I think actually with CJ playing there, that's a bit more of an attacking outlet than Gabriel would be. But um, there's definitely a spot there for someone to nail down. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Dale, because I don't think Dale's done too much wrong. But um, I would I'd definitely prefer prefer Lyons though and he kind of although I don't think he was fantastic on Saturday I, th- I think he put a really solid performance I completely agree so fingers crossed um, we can you know he can sort of nail down that position but with a lot of games coming up Martin um, it's a chance for him Dale and and and, and the other others I don't like we, we spoke about during Northampton that we probably won't be changing system as such but with players coming back into to the frame such as Gabriel etc we've got you know a squad now on paper which looks like you know, it can handle these run of games. And like Kurt said, it's a, it's a positive as well with these players coming back as a chance for us to see a, a number of players that, you know, that we haven't seen this season, potentially with a mixed match of players that, that can be in the start on 11. And generally speaking, Critchley this season hasn't got the best out of this system, but at the same time, it is starting to click a little bit, although results haven't always been what we wanted. We haven't lost a terrific amount of games, you know, the last sort of 10. I think the record in all in all competitions, which is padded out by some EFL trophy, but I think it's two defeats in 15, I think. So it, it, things have been a lot more consistent. And I, and I think that's that's helped by squad strength because I've struggling to think of a time and I, I appreciate the level we're at is a little bit lower than where we've, you know, we've been in terms of the championship. But um, we have sort of two players for every position now, don't we? Sometimes three. So we do have a heck of a squad, 
we're a little bit top heavy. I'm sure a couple will go in January, which I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about nearer the time. Um, so, you know, it's great to see, um, you know, being able, I think what's, what might stop happening is, is maybe people like um, Dom Thompson coming out of nowhere, playing a game and then going back to absolutely nowhere again. I don't think that helps. That can't do much for a player when you sort of say, right, you know, you're good enough to play in this game and not good enough to make the bench for the rest of it. But I, mean, I don't think he would do that necessarily with Andy Lyons going forward or Gabriel when, they, when, when they're when they fully on board and starting regularly or, or involved regularly. But yeah, we have got a heck of a squad at, at this level in, in most positions, I think. Yeah, we've also got Kowasi and Lavery to come back and we kind of forgot about them because the way that Rhodes and, you know, Joseph and Beasley have played since sort of... Joining up as a as a three, obviously, or the three mainstays within within those starting positions as well. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of mismatch we have. Um, I think whilst Jordan Rhodes is fit, and we'll come on to him a bit later on, and his possibility of, of staying in January because Kurt made some funny comments after the game. Is I think in awe still. Um, I think we are still in awe of him. Sixteen goals now, isn't it? So um, the first half sort of panned out exactly how we would have wanted it, but Kurt Bar bar not scoring more than one goal, um, we had our chances, we had our moments. And like you said, sort of pre-pod, you know, there was the the shot from Pennington. I think we had a terrific game and there was the header across goal from Rhodes and we just couldn't quite grab that second goal. It was one of those games which half-time was like, we really need this second because if the later this goes on, it's going to feel like a really uncomfortable game. Alas, it wasn't that, um, but you kind of got that vibe from that first half. Yeah, I, I felt like that, but actually... You know, looking back now, apart from that one chance where he kind of spooned it over the bar from sort of underneath the the Carlisle lad from underneath the um, underneath the bar. I mean, he was stood right in front of the goal. But apart from that, I can't really think of much else that they did. I, I when I was watching, I never really felt like we were in too much trouble against them. So I think we probably would have won one nil to be honest if we hadn't scored again um, but actually one of the things we've said in previous pods is it's nice to see that we're putting these teams to the sword you know just seeing them off uh, in my life as a Blackpool fan we very rarely just see off teams three nil it's always three two two one you know one one you know we always got to have a last five minutes of them trying to you know press for an equaliser or a winner so um, it's nice to see that we're, we're sort of taking teams apart now but the, the the other side to it is that we need to find the consistency um you know it you can't just keep getting these wins and then losing games because we, we, for me we want to be one of those teams that's towards the top end of the league and we can't do that if we don't put away teams like Carlisle and, and you know Cambridge this weekend and follow it up so um look good good first half considering the conditions um and yeah on to the second half yeah, well, on to the second half, so to speak, but just a couple of players that I want to mention. We spoke about Lions, we've done him justice. Um, I did want to talk about a player that you said you're not too fussed about. I didn't say you called him poor or anything like that at all, but if you said in the play, then back four Pennington potentially wouldn't be your your um, first choice to, to start there, Kurt. But I actually thought he was man of the match on, um, on, on Saturday. I thought he, in difficult conditions, just he made one mistake where he lost played a really bad pass. He caught us on the counter, but he's the one who actually won the ball back. Um, I think that was in the first half. Yeah, I think it was. Um, but in the second half, he won a lot of headers. He was very commanding. And he was a, he was much more of that silent leader, which I alluded to in the previous pod. And 
he was absolutely outstanding. I think if we play a back three, he's the only player that I wouldn't drop. I think you can play a number of players there when they're in form, but without him this season, I thought we would we would look a lot more shaky um, and a lot more susceptible to conceding goals. Yeah, I think um, we, we also mentioned a few weeks ago that some of our more senior players need to step up and I thought Pennington was absolutely superb on Saturday really calm really assured you know got forward quite well obviously we discussed his shot I'd love for him to to, to net one um, from that sort of position um, I, I think I'd add Jimmy to your list of I don't think you could drop Jimmy personally I don't uh, you know if you're talking about back three I think the middle position which is peculiar because uh, most times that's where you're probably your best centre-back is sitting um, is actually up for grabs between Connolly, Casey and Ekpateta obviously Connolly sort of put his hand up on Saturday albeit against a pretty weak opposition so yeah but for, for, for Pennington um, you know he's always been Mr Consistent you know 6.5 7 out of 10 every single week no matter what very rarely has a howler um, so yeah, it's not nice to see. He definitely should have got man the match. Lions, I know, uh, think he got the official man the match, but Pennington yeah. was was superb. Yeah, Martin and that the player that um, Kurt just mentioned um, in that middle three and making a name for himself was that Afghan Connolly. I think I've said many a times this season he's just not that player for Blackpool, um, and I. Uh, it is a negative comment because every time he's kind of stepped in for us, he's been hung up to dry, whether it's a wing back or he's just not looked as strong on the left or right side. Um, Derby came to mind where he's, you know, tried to put two hands on a striker before their second goal, I think it was, and he just hardly moves them. And he, he was at fault for a couple of the goals, in my opinion, against Derby. And there's a couple of games where he just looked as, as good as Conley can look. But in the centre, back centre role position, there isn't many better when it comes to just being a resolute defender. Marv's adds that shakiness, but actually when Conley's on top form, he's a no-nonsense defender, and that's what you need in the centre of a three. Absolutely. Um, he's so unlucky, isn't he? He's he's unlucky not to be, I think, an awful lot of other League One teams, he'd be, you know, he'd be first 11 every single week. We just seem to have a lot of depth, as we as I touched on before. So he... But when he plays, you don't think he's going to let anybody down. Like you say, as long as he's not been hung out to dry in an unfamiliar position because the guy is never, ever going to be a left or a right wing back. It's not his position. But yeah, he's a, just a great player to have around. Um, and we, we, with the running we've got, with a run of games, and which has been made worse, obviously, by the, the shambles of the FA and having to play Forest Green next week, um, we need everyone that we can get our hands on, really. Um, so, so when he does play, he'll seize his opportunity because he's going to play, isn't he? We're playing every two or three days over Christmas. He'll he'll get an opportunity. He might be on the bench, but he'll he'll, he'll start a game over Christmas for sure and he won't let anybody down because he's solid. Um, everyone knows how solid he was. He was he was really good for Fleetwood. I think when he was at Fleetwood, wasn't he captain, Connolly? And he was only on loan for the season. I think that's how highly thought of he is. He's, he's a leader of men when he gets to play. Yeah, similar ilk of Casey really, isn't it? And like you said, there's lots of games coming up. He was player of the season for, for Forrest Green. He's come on leaps and bounds with us. And that sending off has done him, you know, it's probably had much more of a detrimental impact, doesn't it, Kurt, on, on him? Probably as well as the squad, but more him himself, because at the end of the day, he was probably our best player, um, Casey. And now we're in a position where we're not even starting him. So kind of a good you know, issue to have when we've got, like Martin said, six get six games and whatever it is, 16 days and start with Cambridge in the FA Cup game, then Saturday, Tuesday, I think it is for like three weeks in a row. Could be an opposite effect on that though, with, with building momentum and it's going to be really interesting to see how we cope with 
with a lot of games in such a short span of time and not giving ourselves like two week break and then having a poor result and then trying to build momentum again. I think this could work in our favour. And if, if Critchley is as angry as he was a week or so ago, then it's a chance for us to really build up ahead of steam and come out of December within the playoff mix or maybe even in the playoffs, maybe playing a, a game or two more than everyone else, but having those points on board. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Blackpool squad sort of react to the, the these number of games and we'll see how we react and to build on, the, on on Saturday's victory against Cambridge. But we'll come on to the second half now and um, I'll, I'll touch upon both Beasley and Rhodes because, um, Kurt, I said I'd really like to see KJ start. Um, however, I completely understand if Beasley did start. And for me, he hasn't assisted or scored, um, sorry, he did kind of assist, sorry, the second goal, um, causing the save for, for Rhodes' um, smart finish. But he was in very impactful on, on on Saturday. In the first half, I think he won like four or five headers. He ran into space quite a lot. And I've got a negative and a positive to say about the partnership because I think there was a couple of things that I noticed more consistently on Saturday that I haven't noticed before. But just credit to Beasley because although he wasn't on the score sheet, I think he worked really hard. And actually his running and his winning of headers and his being a nuisance for defenders was much more impactful to what we've seen with Beasley before. I think in previous times he's kind of won those headers, but they go to no one. But he's actually having quite a an impact on on the games now. And I, like I said, I'm going to wipe Northampton from memory because of you know his chance was a really poor miss and he didn't really do much other than that. But he reacted really well despite the opposition. He can only play what is against. And I think on Saturday he was a, a real highlight of this team in, in difficult circumstances. I think it's notable that the run of games that he's getting, where it's like pretty much guaranteed you're playing, is bringing him on. He seems like one of those players that just thrives and, you know, it's in the ball is sticking to him. You know, he's winning headers. He looks faster, stronger, fitter. Um, some players are just like that. They, they need a run of games without being threatened to being on the bench. And I think that's what we're starting to see with BZ. Obviously, when you're playing with Jordan Rhodes and you're watching the movement in training, in games, that's just rubbing off onto him. So um, it can only be a good thing. Um, I, I, I think you're right, though. I think long-term, Carl Joseph is just going to overtake him and, and, and be the man that will come in. Um, obviously we've got a conundrum with Jordan Rhodes in, in January and if Huddersfield decide to bring him back, you know, they're in a relegation battle. We've got not much, not a lot of choice on it where we've actually got a striker that can come in um, and maybe we need to bring in, you know, another another body, but Carl Joseph can come in alongside Beasley. Um, I, I still I still worry about, um, you know, our options um, in terms of, Kwasi and, and Lavery, there's a lot of injury concerns there. Obviously, Beasley's been injured. So um, this is one area that we need to have a think about in January. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, if I'm honest. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of Lavery um, and, and I like Kwasi so far, but he's obviously not the finished article and it's something we can't rely on if Rhodes goes. And with Lavery's inconsistency with injuries and and let's, let's have it, it, he's been out what? for half of both seasons and he's already been out with two injuries this season. He came against, it's weird, isn't it? Because he comes back from injury like he did against Fleetwood and 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 Bromley and he just looked really sharp and his finishing was excellent and Fleetwood, he just set the world alight, got those goals and, um, sorry, got the third goal and he just looked really sharp and, and all of a sudden he's back out again and he's like, right, another eight weeks, another 12 weeks, whatever it is and he just, he can't be relied on and that's the frustrating thing and like you say, we need a permanent replacement there because if, if Joseph goes out for four or five weeks, you're left with literally just Beasley and Kwasi, aren't you? And it's probably a partnership that isn't going to work and score goals in the manner that Rhodes is at the moment. So 
I watch this space, I suppose, but every credit to Beasley and, you know, uh, a very positive performance. And like you say, he probably won't start every game over Christmas and, and maybe uh, maybe even Rhodes won't, depending on the situation. I think while he's scoring goals, you start him, but we, we need options and, and, and KJ and Beasley certainly bring that. Um, we'll talk about the second goal, um, Martin. It was a fantastic header talking of Beasley by Beasley to, to, to force Holy into a save low down. And initially I thought it hit, Rhodes, a bit like you've said a few times this season, where he scored against Stevenage and and Cheltenham, wasn't it? Where the ball hits him um, from from a sort of a situation and goes into the net. But if you watch it back again, um, he 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 um, moves his body, you know, out of the way to kind of get his leg on it and, and poke it home. And it's a very cool and smart finish in a moment where most strikers maybe wouldn't have even got a touch on the ball. Exactly. It's it's Naus, isn't it? And even if it's not Naus, the, the, there's the odd goal that you'll score when you are just there. You know where to be. Um, the proverbial hitting it off like Beasley. The, 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 when he's in his hot streak of form, it, it literally went in off his backside, didn't he, against uh, Shrewsbury for the second one. Um, but but Rose, yeah, it was. I thought that. I thought it just hit him, but obviously it was a it was a bit of improvisation from him. Um, and that's what you get from him. And uh, the thought of him going back. Is is scary, really? Um, I, I heard on Saturday from somebody who might know these things that he doesn't want to, because um, I think he suspects that he'll be sat on the bench for them. Uh, uh, and when he does come on, the, you know, the, I'm guessing with Huddersfield they are struggling. Uh, lost to Preston last night. I don't think he'll get many chances, and his record in the Championship over the last four or five years has been pretty, pretty average. So I think he's quite happy where he is. But I'd like to think Huddersfield might say. Listen, Jordan, as a senior player, will give you the shout, but it doesn't. Football doesn't work like that. But I pray to God he doesn't get recalled because he's going to get twenty-five, isn't he? If he stays fit, he's going to get twenty-five goals. He's got thirteen yeah. already. We're not even not even played half a season. He's not even played every single game because he started late with us. So so he's got he's he's got to go. He's on course to get twenty-five to thirty if he stays. And I, I just pray that they can sort something out because he, he. I believe he doesn't want to go back. From what I was told, um, that is, that is yeah. a Martin rumor, not on it's not Orange Podcast rumor. Just no, it's a me rumor. Uh, just, just, just quick disclaimer. Quick disclaimer. Um, I, I like I said, somebody would know, but I I can't. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm. I hope I'm. I hope I'm. This guy's right, but but the thing is, it doesn't matter, does it? it? They'll they'll recall him if they want to recall him. They pay his wages. It's his. It, he's their player. So, but it, yeah, it makes sense for us to take over his contract and give him a six months plus one, doesn't it? So that he's got six months with us and then he's got another year of potential championship football, hopefully, you know, assuming we get there. Um, Huddersfield, you know, how, how is it going to benefit Huddersfield? You know, a couple of goals here or there. I don't know. What do you want a disgruntled player for? You want keen, hungry players that are up for a relegation battle. He Jordan Rhodes at this stage of his career isn't asked about keeping Huddersfield up, is he? He wants to get promoted. He wants the glory of scoring 20, 30 goals for a team and being an integral part of them getting promoted. There's no way he wants to go back to Huddersfield. It makes no sense for them. Well, it makes sense in the sense of getting a, a, a striker in purple and a purple patch constantly by the looks of things, but... It, like you said, it depends if they want to dip into the market and actually invest into a striker that's going to keep them up or, or take a risk and whether they want to take a risk at that point of the season, you know, in the relegation zone, needing goals, definitely. Are they going to go more proven or, you know, they're going to go somewhere else? Who knows? But, you know, we, we just have to pray to the football and gods because as Martin's alluded to, his, his third goal, 
epitomise everything he was about, really. He's latched onto an opportunity where Cole Joseph looked like he was going to score. And he's literally, um, I think Critch said it, is it touch bang, isn't it? And all the, the official X accounts in touch bang. And again, in that position, Kurt, many strikers would fumble at that opportunity or not even be there for that point because they're just watching Joseph to see if he scores or whatever. But he's, he's so switched on in the 95th minute of all of all the minutes of the game when the game's won. You know, we've got a minute to go. Um also, whatever was added on, um, but you know he's he wants those goals. He wants to keep scoring, and it's only going to do him <laughs> even more good because I think he went two games without scoring. And we we're getting a little bit worried, but it's just he started started that Ferrari engine again, and he's just like you say, sixteen goals in that short time is is scary actually. Because when someone told me he'll get fifteen twenty goals, I was like, will he? You know, is he really that first choice striker that Blackpool wanted in 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 the window? And I, I'm whether we meant to sign him or whether he was second or third choice, who knows? But football's a funny game, isn't it? And I, he gives me those Kevin Phillips vibes where you just know he's going to score those opportunities in that third goal again. Although it wasn't, it was a quite a scrappy goal. Was was a superb finish? Yeah, easily top two or three most composed strikers we've ever had, or at least in my lifetime, anyway. Um, you're right, Kevin Phillips, DJ Campbell to an extent. Jerry Yates probably not even in that conversation to be honest, although you know did very well for us. But in terms of composure in front of goal, yeah, Kevin Phillips and uh, and Jordan Rhodes are definitely up there. I think it, it, most strikers at this level would have hit that first time, but to to take the touch, to take it away, to to make it almost a hundred percent goal, it's just incredible. Um, you know, I've seen him score these goals in the championship, and you know, scoring against us, and you just get a bit sort of fed up of it and you used to always say like oh I wish we had a player like that you know when we've seen some of the nonsense that we've had up front but I got really excited about Jordan Rhodes without sort of outwardly saying it and, and he's doing it now um, I've said it a couple of minutes ago if we can just do a deal for him for, for the next 18 months I think if we don't get promoted this season he'd almost certainly get us promoted next season yeah well watch this space but just yeah I don't want to lose him never fall in love with a lone player but he's I think he's different gravy isn't he he's someone that we 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 100% need like we're not winning or, or even drawing some games without him a la Oxford you know a superb cross from hubby but who's diving who in our squad is diving her into that into the into the right hand corner and he's just scored goals this season um Stevenage um Cheltenham the Cheltenham one where Morgan hits the most <laughs> horrific free kick and he's directed it back into the goal I just laughed a bit like Harry Bowie did on the comms as well he's scoring goals that are completely unexpected and we could just rely on him so much don't we but we're also working hard for each other as a team now and I just want to surmise the sort of performance Martin with you were there in the stadium very difficult to sort of watch in terms of the midfield but I actually thought as as a team um, we were well organised we were well drilled we had the odd um, mistakenness. And what I wanted to say up front is Rhodes and Beasley made the same run two or three times unnoticed. They weren't quite on the same wavelength for quite a lot of time. And I'm, I haven't seen it before too much this season, but there was two or three times Beasley won a header and Rhodes was behind him or Rhodes had the ball and Beasley was kind of within a yard of him. And I was like, you need to open up that space between you. One thing we didn't do very well in the first and second half is break lines. We kind of had a lot of the ball, but didn't get in behind a lot. Mm. And that was because they were both kind of sat in front of their defence trying to win the ball or trying to get a flick on. We kind of didn't have that 
when we played Shrewsbury, I think Carl Joseph played that ball into Beasley, didn't he? A nice lofted ball and he broke in behind and scored the goals and stuff. So fingers crossed they can build that partnership. But I certainly think Carl Joseph will bring that element to the strikers. But I think as an overall, you can go through that team and there wasn't a really bad performance in there because mainly, in my opinion, like you said already, Carlo is our if not one of the worst teams we've seen at Bloomfield Road this season, very disjointed, but we had to beat them. We beat them well. I think Shrewsbury at least give us a go, but they had the odd chance um, that you can't say, I mean, especially the first half, they didn't even have a shot. Um, I think Owen Moxon, someone I was worried about naturally because of the links with Blackpool. He had a first good five, ten minutes. I was like, he's picking up the ball a little bit, dispossessed a couple of Blackpool players, but he went missing a little bit, made actually a couple of dodgy fouls when he was being overrun. So I think the midfield handled the game really well and, I think, again, Dembele with, with his brilliance and his, his energy and his enthusiasm in the middle really helped Hugel and Carey. But with the games coming up, with, with Dougal, Carey, Dembele, Morgan all finding their form, obviously Norburn getting on as well, we're in a position now where you kind of want these games because you want everybody to keep those minutes in their legs and build that momentum, build that understanding and, and keep winning. Um, because if we keep having these breaks... It won't do us any good, will it? And I actually thought as an overall, like you say, we controlled the game really well. We took our chances well, could have had more. Um, and, you know, you can't say too much about the game in terms of deep analysis because the conditions didn't help. But I just thought we handled them really well. That's a real positive moving on to Saturday. Completely. Um, as I say, one team handled the conditions, one didn't. One looked united and, and kind of knew it, everyone's position and, and looked like they were a sort of well-drilled outfit and the other one didn't. Um, it helps when you do come up against poor opposition. And and I, I wish Carlisle nothing but the best, actually. I hope they get out of it because, you know, if we weren't to go up next season or this at the end of this season, it's another fairly local game to, to go to for us. But they, they were a shambles. Um, they just looked like they got serious problems. And all we did was just be very professional and take advantage of it. And when you look at... Um, when you look at the fixtures coming up, I think it's time to start being a little bit. Um, I think we need to be a little bit bullish as fans, certainly about our about our chances because of the next. I mean, I said this after the Portsmouth game, and we all know what happened against Northampton. But but really, looking at the next, let's let's just look at the games we've got up until the end of December. The next four games, we should be we should be dropping no more than a couple of points. We shouldn't really be dropping any, in my opinion. And maybe I'm being demanding too much, but. We, we should win the next four games for me. And then we should, in January, be looking at winning the games in January, the vast majority of them. We, we have got so many winnable games that if we play like we, we should and concentrate, because I do think if we play, if we concentrate at the back now, I think that's the rest of it will take care of itself. I think we, we, we started to score goals. We scored 12 out of the last four games, uh, 12 goals in the last four games. So we're averaging three a game at the moment and, and we should be looking at a big haul of points. Definitely. Regardless of whether Jordan Road stays in January, we should be looking at a good run of good run of points and beating average teams. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if Joseph comes in, we should we should still be scoring goals. I mean, not saying he's going to be like Jordan Rhodes, but at the same time, it's finding that consistency, isn't it? And and do you just sort of to summarise the next few games? Um, do you think we go on a run of consistent form? Me and Kurt spoke about this in depth last pod, just by concentrating a bit more at the back and, and being structured and, and letting the um, sorry the confidence and the goal scoring of, of, of sort of the front five, front six, do the work. Do you think that's where do you think that's where it stems from? A really decent 
sort of back back five back six um or do you think it comes from elsewhere because i know we've got the creativity and the goal scoring form but like you said there's those stupid lack, lacks lapses of concentration like against northampton with husband's pass which is letting us down now so where do you think we find our consistency I think is exactly that. I think it's concentration. I think it's it's um, everyone doing the job properly. I mean, this, is, this is a basics of a football team. Every football team needs to concentrate at the back, whether you're Man City or you're Mansfield. It doesn't really matter. But um, I do think that that you know, if you remember the the, the dark days of August, late, late August, when we were talking about draws at home to Port Vale and late Norian, and then losing to Wickham and Lincoln and being really passive and not. You know, we're, we're not really throwing in too many of those performances now. I know Northampton was a big letdown, but I do also think Northampton were a bit better than we kind of maybe, or Blackpool fans in general gave them credit for. But I just think that with Dembele, with Rhodes, with Joseph, with Beasley, with some of the other players we've got in the team, CJ Hamilton, I don't see how we can fail at this level to actually have too many blanks. So I do think it's about concentrating. I think it's, it's not letting... It only, you know, not letting them have a moment to score a goal, just kind of keeping it tight. Again, Carlisle, they look dangerous in the last 10 minutes when probably we might have slightly mentally switched off thinking the job was done. And and, and that can be a bit dangerous, but they weren't good enough to, to punish it. Another team might be. So it's just maintaining those concentration levels. And if we do that, I think we'll be very, very difficult to stop getting in the top six at least. I looked just really quickly, I looked at Bolton against Pompey. I thought they were, I don't know if you watched it, guys, but I thought they were really arrogant, Bolton. They were passing it out like Man City and looked like they were taking some severe liberties at the back. And, and I'm I'm not surprised they kind of got punished by it. And I think we can't be like that. We've got to, if we need to knock it in in, in row X, knock it in row X, just, just be 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 um, strong, be, be competitive, but also be smart and not to try and bite off more than you can chew. Because they look like a team who were just full of it on Monday night and they got punished for it severely. So it just shows... You need to have that concentration and that kind of defend first attitude. Get rid of it if you need to. Yeah, that, well, the, the shot that which um, Kurt mentioned earlier was, um, I think it was Sean Maguire, ex-team ex down the road, um, who either scooped the bar or was put under the pressure of the defender in the second half. But it came from Hamilton not going into a challenge. The ball was there to be won and Hamilton like jogs up to the ball, then stops. And I went absolutely ballistic because it was still five minutes to go. And that should have been 2-1. And that's what I mentioned earlier about Kurt said we we might have won one nil because they didn't fret. But in League One, it's it's a bit like Cheltenham when we're three 0 up should have been seven, and all of a sudden with five minutes to go, you're three two up, and you're thinking if we draw this, it's going to be a fair result because Cheltenham absolutely battered us as we let them. So we we like you say, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think concentrate on on doing everything Critchley wants us to do. He is very meticulous in what in what he does, and I think that brings bring success and breed momentum. And like I said, I'm I'm looking at it now as much as I was angry as, as a positive that January's coming up. But if we can get out of December in the playoffs with a good run of games and minutes into legs of Gabriel, Lyons, etc., and Rhodes carries on and Joseph starts a couple of more games, then all of a sudden we saw a few more players in January, let a few go that we potentially not going to be in our plans. And, you know, the, <laughs> everything's great. I know football kind of doesn't work like that and there might be a few hiccups on the way, but now is a real chance to to show who Blackpool are. And if we don't come out of December with the points we want, then you can kind of probably say that's that's our level this season so far. But I, don't, I think there's more to come from this Blackpool side. And like you say, it stems from concentration, in my opinion. So um, I think I'm going to wrap that up, gents. Kurt, unless you've got anything else to add? No, not for me. Um, it's one of those where very, very routine win. Um, I want to see us back up with a win on Saturday. I'll be honest, I don't really give a monkeys about Forest Green or 
can bot trophies. I, I, I want us to just really concentrate on the league and get some serious points out of um, the next month or so and go into January with being able to top ourselves up with some better quality. Um, I still think we've, we, we can we can bring in one or two and shift three or four out um, and upgrade the squad. Yeah, completely agree. Um, any last comments from you, Martin? Um, yeah, I think the recruitment team will be on Football Manager 24 as we speak, looking at players and getting everything sorted. That you know, Mr. Mansford's not here anymore, so I'm sure that I'm sure that our recruitment team are all over it if we need someone. And I think the asking price for Owen Moxon may have dipped. Yeah, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he looked appalling. On, 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 I think as a lot of them did, and like you say, they, they let Simpson down, in my opinion, because he's a, he's a much better manager than that, and and Carlo are a much better team than they showed. But something's either going on behind the scenes, or they just generally couldn't be bothered with the conditions. But either way, it wasn't a good sign for that for, for Simo. And I hope, hopefully, whatever happens at Carlo, he he has every success because um, he's done wonders with that football club so far. So I think when we come to Cambridge attack the wing backs and control the middle. That's the kind of message I got from Jack. And I think with, with Dougal Carey, Morgan's form, obviously got Norburn back in the frame now. I think we control the game in the middle and then take our chances when we need to. So let's hope for three points um, on Saturday, um, gentlemen, and um, from everyone at the It's an Orange podcast, have a good evening. 